Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. We're only here for an hour, so have time to answer it. That's right. Be able to spend a little time with you. There you go. And that's what Joel did. He's already online. Good morning, Joel. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. Hey, I got a 99 F-150. It's got the small V8, the 4.6 liter. Okay, uh-huh. sir. And just purchased a small travel trailer. And going down the road, that thing's giving all this guy a good 60 mile an hour with the heels and stuff is about top. I was considering one of those little computer chips that you purchase. A now, great item. Don't do that. How big is your trailer, Joe? 19-footer. It's a toy hauler, so you put your four-wheelers. What does it weigh? Don't know offhand. A good, I would want to say the gross weight, maybe around 5,000 or so. Yeah, you're overloaded there, Joe. What's going to happen, the lack of power is really just a symptom. The next thing you'll kick out a transmission and you'll kick out a rear end. You just ain't got enough truck to pull that. Okay. You really, I know you don't want to hear this, but you're going to be way, way dollars ahead to go ahead and trade up to a F-250 or a C-20 or something. That little truck just ain't going to pull it, man. It's got a little fairly light-duty transmission and a light-duty rear end. It's just not going to pull it for any length of time. I had this exact discussion with my brother-in-law, and he, oh, no, no, the salesman say, okay. He makes one trip up Chattanooga. He says, brother-in-law, I got this oil all over my back glass. Well, yeah, that's a transmission fluid balling out transmission. <laughs> uh, yeah. He ended up buying him F-350, all his problems solved. But, yeah, that's – I mean, I'm not saying you can't pull it once, twice. You need to pull it out of overdrive, drop it down out of overdrive when you pull it. But I would definitely be making my plans getting something heavier than that. Anything you do to modify the motor is just going to make it worse because you just ain't got enough truck. Motor's yeah. bogging down because just everything else is too light. I mean, it's just not enough truck there to pull that much weight. Yeah, well, I, I hadn't put it pushed the pedal to the floor or anything. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like to hear those RPMs. Right. Well, up. you can tell. You can tell the truck is straining, and like I said, anything you do to the motor, you're making more power, but you're not increasing the transmission's capability to deal with it or the rims capability to deal with it. Yeah. So you're gonna be ch- it's gonna be a very very expensive proposition, man. Way way cheaper. Go ahead and trade that little truck while it's still running pretty good. You can get probably most of your money back on it. And I'm not saying go buy a new truck, but go buy just a three-quarter ton, maybe something three, four, five years old. You're not going to be out of pocket that much money difference, and you're going to have a whole lot easier life. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your help. All right, Joe. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we got Mark online. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing, Doing Luke? great, sir. Good. Yeah, I have a 2002 Mazda Protégé, okay. 1.8 liter engine. I think it's got about 140 on it. Son uses his car to go to Southeastern back and forth about okay. three times a week. Anyway, I emailed you, and thanks for your response. You emailed me back, but I'd kind of like to follow it up. Okay. It's got a high level of oil consumption, probably a quarter every thousand miles. Okay. And you told me that what you're going to have to do is perform a wet-dry compression test. That would be the next step to isolate whether it is a valve guide seal or a set of pistols and rings. Mark, it just kind of depends. I don't know that I would advise you to spend that money unless you're ready to do some major repair on the car because any way it goes, no matter what we find, you're looking at a fairly major repair on a relatively old car with a lot of miles on it. Mm-hmm. Oil is sort of cheap by comparison, and I'm not trying to talk you out of anything, but the fix even if it's valve guide seals would be the best possible scenario, you still end up pulling the head off the engine and doing something with the valve guides. You could be up pretty close to what the car's worth. Uh-huh. And, of course, rebuilding the engine is even more. I have seen new cars that burned a quart in a thousand. GM will not even address that under warranty if it's a quart in a thousand. They'll tell you it's normal. Uh-huh. Let me ask you a couple more questions I didn't get a chance to go into sure. on an email. But have you changed the brand of all you're using recently well no it's probably been 
using that same oil, probably same brand, same mm-hmm. weight, mm-hmm. I'd probably say for the last 70,000 miles. Yeah, well, and that's not an issue. I've seen where people will change the brand of oil, and that can cause some high consumption. You can actually go back to your original brand, and it may let up some. you using the proper oil for the car? Yes, I use a 2050. Oh, no, uh-uh. No. No. That's not, 20, not on the, that's not on the Mazda. I'm sorry. Let me see. 5W30. 530. Okay, yeah, okay, good, good. 530. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know okay. where I got that from. Yeah, no, anyway. 2050 would definitely make it use all. If you're using a good 5W30 in it, that's about all you're going to be able to do without just spending some big bucks on it. Now, what a wet-dry compression test can tell you is if it is piston ring related or valve guide seal related. But you're going to spend between an hour and an hour and a half's worth of time and money to get that piece of information that I'm not sure you're going to want to act on it. Right. That's what I that's You just don't need to pay was. for information that you're not going to really be able to benefit from is what I'm uh-huh. thinking. Okay. So I guess the best option at this point, just keep I, it full oil. Keep it full oil. Change it real regular. The more often you change it, it may uh-huh. actually let up some because if you've been going kind of long on changes, I'm not saying you are, but that's one reason why they do that. The rings will tend to stick in them. The yeah. valve guides get get hard and brittle, and they start breaking up. More frequent changes can help a little bit because it okay. all is going to have conditioner in it. It may soften something up. It may free a ring up. We can actually do what we call a treatment on the engine, which sometimes helps. It's probably the only inexpensive thing you could do that might help, and that's where you remove all the plugs and you run some chemicals down through the cylinders, and sometimes that can free up stuck rings sometimes it helps a good bit sometimes it helps a little bit sometimes it doesn't help at all but it doesn't hurt but it's not gonna hurt in any case and it's not gonna cost you too much money cadillac had that same problem with the 4.6 liters and they came out with a kit that they'll sell you to actually do just that but we've got our own stuff that we've used called a chemical treatment you might if it really balls you might want to go as far as doing that if that doesn't help i probably wouldn't go any further with it okay okay well let me ask you i mean just keep gonna not gonna just break down on me uh, no, from that reason. No, it won't ever break down. It may shorten the life of the catalytic converter because you, you're pumping a lot of oil in it and the converter is having to vaporize all that. Uh-huh. But again, the fix is probably worse than the problem. I got you. Okay. All righty. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Okay, Mark. Thank you, Thank buddy. you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? We would love to have you. And we've got John's been patiently holding. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. I got a 2004 Suburban, okay. and I'm fixing to get under the front end and change the front wheel bearings. Okay. It's a two-wheel drive, half-ton. Yeah. And I've gotten schematics on four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive, and on a four-wheel drive, it looks like you got about a 36-millimeter nut that's behind the dust cap, but on a two-wheel drive, it doesn't show any nut behind the dust cap. No, it, it doesn't. It's a sealed bearing. No, it's a sealed hub bearing assembly. you got to change the whole hub bearing. Right, and I bought that, and, and, and I paid dearly through, through oh, yeah. AC Delco. Right. Oh, yeah, and they're I expensive. Cheap. Yeah. Yeah, but so then once I remove the caliper, the rotor, then you just unbuckle, unbuckle, un- uh, bolt. unbolt from the knuckle the, the bearing, and it it's slide got off. Three or four, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's the... bolts in there. You take those out, and then it's just going to come right off in your hand. I mean, there's a wire on the back that holds to the ABS sensor. You have to unplug that. Right. Uh, you don't want to yank on that. The new bearing, well, the new bearing should come it with should a come uh, with sensor it. and a harness. It did. Yeah, yeah it right. comes with everything. Just put it back on exactly like it comes off. It's really a piece of cake. When yeah, you it, put it those, seems to be. When you put those bolts in, what you want to do is kind of torque them down, like torque one of them about halfway, the other one yeah. you'll cross from it. Uh-huh. In a crisscross pattern, just like right. you do a wheel. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you want to cock one down tight and then pull the other ones down. It's pretty simple. I mean, it's one of those things that anybody remotely handy can, can change them. Yeah, yeah. Any Should I use any kind of, uh, when I'm putting the caliper back on, any thread lock or anything like that? We use a little bit of blue Loctite on those thread yep. bolts. Now, not yep. not the ones in the caliper slides, but the ones that hold the caliper nope. bracket to the block. Right. And it's going to already have some on there, but it, it wears away in time. So adding a little bit is not going to hurt it at all, keeping bolts from backing out on you. Okay, guys. All righty. Thank you, John. Right. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we got time for another call for the break. We got Joseph on the line. Good morning, Joseph. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good. I got a 95 Dodge Dakota I'm going to pick up from the dealer right now. They mm-hmm. had to clean the throttle body on okay. it. Okay. They told me the distributor cap and rotor were needed to be replaced. Okay. And what I'm having is an acceleration problem. I pretty much have to push the pedal to the floor to get it to go, you know. And uh, they told me the catalytic converter was stopped up, but I had pulled the plugs on it, and they weren't black or anything. Usually, if it's a catalytic converter, wouldn't the plugs be black? Not necessarily. Catalytic converters are bad for that problem. i tell you how you can tell real easy, Joseph. This is something almost anybody can do themselves, is just temporarily disconnect the two oxygen sensors. And take them out. Yeah, just take them out and leave the hole open. That's going to make a bunch of noise. They told me the truck was throwing a code for the O2 sensor. Well, it may very well be, but I'm telling you, just go ahead and take the two oxygen sensors out temporarily. Go drive it and see if you got plenty of power. Because what you did is create a big exhaust leak, so you don't need... You created an exhaust leak in front of the catalytic converter. So the exhaust can now get out the the pipes instead of having to be forced. If your power comes back, then that's most likely what your problem is. Okay. But what you're going to do is easy you, way to test it. you're going to set two oxygen sensor right. codes. Right, it will set two codes then for sure because right. they're not on there, but that's no big deal. You're not worried about that. You just want to see if the okay, converter is located. I know one of them's in the pipe right. right in front of the converters. Okay. There should be one in the one in the front of each converter and one behind each converter. Yeah, don't worry about the ones after it because the ones in front. Good. Just taking just take two front ones out just temporarily and you just relieve the back pressure on the engine so if your power comes right. back, hey, that's a problem. You know, okay. If it doesn't, I'd probably check the fuel pressure on it because that's another thing that'll feel just exactly the same. Okay. All righty. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Oh, we got to take a quick little break. Joe and Roland, hang on. You guys will be straight up after the break. Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Louis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Don't. 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. (sighs) Donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? And we're going straight back to our phone lines with Roland. Good morning, Roland. 
Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing, doing great, great, sir. Got a 2000 Astro van. Okay. It's got probably 100,000 miles on it. Okay. And it's making a whining noise like a power steering pump out of fluid, but it's not the power steering pump. It sounds like it's coming from behind the water pump or around the timing belt, timing chain area. Hmm. Any ideas? It could possibly be a bearing in the water pump. I've heard those do that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The way I would diagnose that, Roland, is just temporarily take the serpentine belt off of the engine, crank it up, and let it run for just a few seconds to see if the noise is gone. Okay. If and it, if it is, then most likely you are into the water pump or something like that. Then you're you can, into, into a belt accessory yeah, if you take belt the belt driven. off. Right. You could take and spin each pulley by hand, and you, you take that water pump shaft, and there's any slack in it at all, or if it makes a noise when you turn it at all, then that's probably right. the problem. As the engine speeds up and slows down, you know, the whining. Correct. Right. Correct. What you want to be careful with, and the reason I ask you to do that first, there's a couple of other things that will make almost the same exact sound, and they're kind of hard to diagnose, even though they would be in a different area. But noises are hard to tell sometimes. But I've seen an oil filter make an identical noise to a power steering pump. I've seen people change a power steering pump, and it'd be the oil filter's restricted. And it will oh, make the identical noise, okay. but it'll still be there after you take that belt off. The second thing is the transmission filter being plugged can make the identical noise because they're both hydraulic circuits, the same as that power steering pump is. But, again, it'll still be there when you take the belt off. So try taking the belt off. And, again, you can't run it very long because you don't have coolant flowing. But you can right. run it for two or three minutes and just see if all the noise is gone, then it's one of those belt-driven accessories, most likely the water pump. Do yourself yeah. a favor, too, before you pull that belt right. off. Take and draw you a little diagram of exactly how that belt goes around those yeah. pulleys. Because you be they can, be, wrong ways they can be put on backwards. <laughs> and if they're put on backwards, it won't. the accessories won't operate correctly. Right. Okay. Will do. All right. All right. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Bye-bye. you want to be part of the automotive hour, I'd love to have you. That's a good tip because I've seen myself just snatch one of those belts off. It oh, just yeah. Seems so similar. Oh, yeah. I remember this. for about an hour and a half trying to figure out how that belt route's back I've, through there. I've had to go back to service data before. Yeah, it's amazing it. how many different ways it can go on wrong. Oh, it will, <laughs> and it will go on. Yeah, except the last one doesn't, either doesn't have any adjustment or has too much adjustment or, There's or something. some vehicles you can actually put it on backwards oh, and yeah. have the right adjustment and everything. Yeah, just but the water pump backwards. turns backwards. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hello, Lewis. Hey, man. I just got a comment for you. Sure. I sent somebody to you last week from Brewery, Mr. Pete Cusho. I Sir, I really enjoyed it. last night and couldn't get over that you fixed his car. Well, <laughs> he should expect that. That's it. <laughs> I told him that. You know, he said, I've taken it to all kind of people. Nobody could fix it. Come said, on. Well, he just thanked me for sending... Well, I appreciate you calling, Joe. I had a good time talking. He's an old Korean vet, and, uh, yeah, and I sure really hit it off. Boy, he's telling me about Korea and freezing his feet and everything else. Yeah. I say, you know, people don't admire those guys enough. It's one of those wars that they just kind of got forgot about, you know? Yeah, well, I grew up across the street from him. Bro. He's a fine fella. I really enjoyed well, meeting him. He was just amazed that you fixed his car. <laughs> huh? Well, yeah. good deal. All right. Thank you, Joe. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Lewis on the line. Good morning, Lewis. Hey, Lewis, you there? Yeah, this I got a 99 Ford F-150. Okay. And it's only got 70,000 miles on it. Okay. I've, I've, never, I've never done anything but the routine oil and filter and stuff. Yes, sir. And I was wanting to see about bringing it to you. I can't seem to get over 15 miles to the gallon on it. It's got a small V8. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, Lewis, that is pretty close to what those trucks got. I mean, they did not get very good gas mileage at all. They might have advertised higher. I know they advertised and told you you would, but I've never known yeah. anyone to get too much more than that. I mean, we may be able to 
get you another mile or two to the gallon. But they just didn't get very good gas miles. They weren't really efficient running engines. I mean, it's a good motor and, and good truck. But they just didn't get real great mileage. Yeah, well, see, it doesn't seem like it doesn't matter if I'm in town. Or yeah. I don't go on the right. road a lot. Yeah. Go to new roads. Oh, yeah. Boat. It's yeah. like they got a diverter valve. When it starts getting more than 15, it dumps it out on the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah the, that was always, I mean, I remember very well when those trucks came out new, and Ford was promising, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, and nobody was getting it. And, I mean, there was a lot and a lot of complaints. I don't know if you're internet savvy or not, but if you go on the net and just type in, like, F-150 gas mileage or something, you'll see thousands of complaints on that exact topic. Hmm. And, I mean, I'm not saying the truck doesn't need some maintenance because it probably does. You know, it's 10 years old now, and there's probably some things we could do to prevent some big problems, but I just don't think you're going to get that mileage up a whole lot. Well, I got a couple other little problems, like the ABS light stays on. Yes, sir. And I guess that's one of those sensors. And then my Probably. speedometer. For well, two years, it goes off and on. Those mo- may both those, be the same right. problem. Right. Because it's be the same sensor runs ABS that runs the speedometer. Okay. That might be one problem. It might fix, kill two birds with one stone there. Well, I may, uh, I may just take it to you and let you do a, right. a, a routine, just sure. tune up. Sure, right. and Lewis, what I can do is I can check it and just see if you are getting all that you, all that you can get. We can check what they call fuel trim, which is what the computer's seeing, and I can tell you if it's doing all it's going to do or not. Yeah. All righty. Just, uh, okay, just, well, uh, what, uh, what do I bring it? Uh, just give Elaine a call Monday morning just, and set up an appointment. Okay. You can actually go to our website, and there's a map on our website from anywhere in the world That's right. to get okay. you to our shop. Okay. All righty. Thank you, bud. Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Let's go right straight back to our phone lines. We've got Harith online. Good morning, Harith. I was wondering, Mobile has this new RL out called Zero W30. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that's the equivalent to the 530. So, like, could I switch to that and get better cold economy, fuel economy? No. Stay with the 530. Okay. 530 is all you're ever going to need. I see. You never substitute the viscosity oil that was designed for it. What 030 is, is basically all that they have taken the paraffins and stuff out by refining process to where uh-huh. it does not thin out as it gets colder. It would basically stay 30 weight all the way down to where it would normally take a zero weight all to do that. But the 5W30 is going to do basically the same thing. 530 is going to carry you down to about 20 below zero, which you're never going to see that temperature. Okay, all right. So just stay with what you got. You don't ever want to change viscosity of oils, particularly in an older engine. Yeah, I've got about 210,000. Right. You don't ever um, want to make a change on that. You want to stay exactly with what you got. When you start changing okay. all types or all viscosities, you can you can end up with some pretty serious problems. My alternator is noisy in the morning. Mm-hmm. Is that a sign that it's going to need replacing? Probably so, yeah. Is it like a bearing-type noise? Yeah. Yeah, bearing's probably going bad in it. What happened? For whatever reason, temperature just seems to affect that more. When it gets hot, the noise will probably still be there. It may just change pitch to a tone where you don't hear it anymore. The human ear can only hear a certain range of sounds. And okay. the sound may just tone up to where you can't hear it any longer. But, yeah, it's, if it's making noise at any temperature, it's pretty much a sign that it's going to go bad. Okay. And, I mean, you could wait till it fails. not going to cost you a whole lot more one way or another. It's not one of those parts that's going to damage something else. Just uh-huh. keep an eye on it and be ready for it. Yeah, I still haven't found a shop that can replace my radiator. I mean, not radiator, thermostat. Really? They can't, they can't, they can't get it out of the engine. Hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine that being too big of a deal. I done been to a dealership yeah. and two independents. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Can y'all do it? Yeah, we do that kind of work. 
right, well, I'm going to have to bring it by. All right, man. All right. Hey, do you, you think that'll be like around $200 or less? I that? don't know, man. I'd have to see it to see what's wrong with it. Okay, thank you. All right, man. Bye-bye. And we've got Edward's been patiently holding. Good morning, Edward. Hey, how you doing? Doing, doing great. great. I got a 2,500 Silverado pickup truck. Yes, sir. Yeah. And about six months ago, I noticed a miss in it. So I went ahead and changed my plug wire, mm-hmm. changed my coil wire, and I still had it. So I brought it to the shop. Mm-hmm. And the code was shooting out a multiple misfire. Yes, sir. And I brought it to two different shops. Okay. In one shop, it shot out a multiple misfire. The other one, a random misfire. Right, same thing. So we, right. we went ahead and changed the distributor itself because I got 165,000 miles mm-hmm. on it. It had, it was a little, it had a little slack in it. Yeah. They changed the rotor and the cap. Right. And that didn't fix the problem. Right. So we changed mass airflow. We changed the coil. And I'm still shooting out a multiple misfire. Yeah, right. well, you got that at the wrong shop. This stuff about, well, we're going to change this, change this, change this, see what happens. That tells you right there a guy doesn't know what the heck he's doing. Because he should have diagnosed the problem before he ever changed the first part. I mean, there's tons and tons of things that can cause a multiple misfire on that vehicle. But unless you know what you're going after, you're going to run out of money before he runs out of stuff to guess at. Because I could probably rattle off another 30 things you could try. But the point is, you're going to need to check the truck with someone who knows what they're doing and find out what's going on. I mean, I've seen things as obscure as a cam lobe worn on the cam cause that problem. I've seen... I mean, injectors, injectors plugged. plugged I've seen a bad engine computer. Yeah. So the point is, I mean, a weak fuel pump. The point is, there's just way too many things it could be. You don't approach that problem. Well, maybe it's this. I'm going to go change a bunch of stuff. With the right diagnosis, you can go straight to the problem right. and fix it and be done with and it. And it's not a matter of plugging it into a machine or anything else. It's a matter of a man who knows what the devil is doing, checking the vehicle, understands the system, and tells you what's wrong with it before he starts working on it. I just need to bring it to a better shop. You do. <laughs> yes, sir. You do, because you're probably already out, what, four, or 500 bucks? Oh, easy. Or more? Yeah, because I changed the fuel pump, well, too. Oh, well, you're out oh, almost, yeah. way over 1,000. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was 318. Next. Yeah, and you see, the bad thing is, Edward, I don't know where you got all your parts from, but a lot of the parts you put on there may not have been as good as the ones you took off. Because some of the you know aftermarket what? junk out there is, is just is, that. It's yeah, junk. it's junk, man. It's trash. They got so many Chinese and Indian parts on the market today. You may be putting back worse parts you're taking off and still not fixing your problem. See, there's just absolutely no sense in that. You need to get that to someone who knows what they're doing. And, see, we would start out, we would diagnose that problem. We would tell you exactly what it was before we ever laid a wrench on it. And the difference is, you know, you're in a good shop. You ask the guy, do you guarantee this is going to fix it? If he says, yep, then you're in the right shop. If he says, well, I don't know, we've got to try this. For, well, no, then you're in the wrong shop. All right, well, maybe I'll just make an appointment at your shop. And there you go. Fixed. There ain't nothing on that truck I can't fix. All righty. Thank okay. you so much. All right. Thank you, Edward. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take one more quick little break. David, Steve, Ed, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Lewis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Lewis, it's your nanny. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) 
Ho, ho, ho! Lewis! Fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alpazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? And we've got Steve who's been patiently holding. Good morning, Steve. Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing great, uh, Doing great. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick analogy. You know, we treat vehicles, those that we try to do our, um, routine maintenance ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yes, sir. Uh, get the oil change and get a regular tune-up and stuff. Yes, sir. I just wanted people to realize that your car, it's a great thing. It's something you need. But how much money are we spending on our bodies? If someone was giving you a car and said, you know, it had to last for the next 75 or 95 years, mm-hmm. we probably would treat that car with a little bit more <laughs> care. And I just wanted to let you know that you provide a great service out there by being on airways and getting, getting people more familiar with how to address the problems with their vehicles. But I'd like for people to think a little Further than that, sometimes you may want to go ahead and do a little more extra care on your body, and I don't mean just going to the doctor and saying, okay. Probably right there, Steve, and a little bit off our topic for today, but it is a very good point, well made. I appreciate you calling with that. And let's go back to our phone. I've got Ed online. Good morning, Ed. Good morning. Yes, good sir. morning. How y'all doing? You're doing great, great, sir. I got a 2002 Suburban. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I have, and it's, it's not something that happens all the time, it's happened maybe a dozen times over the last two years, mm-hmm. can be on the interstate traveling or on some highway where I can travel 70 miles an hour with the speed control on, uh-huh. cruise control. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then all of a sudden, I'll start losing power, and it'll get to where the engine is like, will just die. And sometimes, before I can even coast to a stop, I can make sure the cruise control is off, put it in neutral. I can crank it back up, put it in gear, and take off. And as long as I don't put it back in cruise control... Yeah, let me ask you, Ed, now, when you say it's losing power, is the engine actually losing power or is just the cruise control is is reducing its speed? No, the engine is actually dying. And if you give it gas, it won't rev up? When I try and give it gas, it'll act like it will try and rev up, but it won't take it. It'll yeah. just continue to die down until it I would almost it bet you that that is a fuel pump type of problem. Fuel pump is losing pressure. That's about the only thing that can cause that tar of an issue. And that's normally going to be you going to have to drive it a good ways. It's going to have to get hot before it does it. What you might want to just notice, Ed, is if it seems to be worse when the tank is lower or better when the tank is full, and you probably never really – paid attention to that but you might just try that and that would be sort of add more fuel to the fire It'd be awful hard for a shop to diagnose that just because it occurs so infrequently but that sure sounds like a fuel pump going out and if a low tank under quarter tank makes it worse and a full tank seems to make it better what you might want to do is just go ahead and do yourself a big favor and replace that pump because it's going to sooner or later just go out and leave you stranded i have made notice of when it is on the fuel and a lot of times it has I, at first i thought i was getting bad fuel because it was just with certain stations that i stopped at certain distributor of fuels 
with the better fuels, it didn't seem like it happened. Sometimes it would happen shortly after a fill-up. Yeah. I would pop off again, and I was thinking maybe that my gas cap may not be. Yeah, that can't do that. There's an easy way to figure that out. Okay. Take and put you a fuel pressure gauge on the right. vehicle, and put okay. tape the gauge to the windshield. Where when you're sitting, windshield. when you're sitting in the truck, you can look to the windshield right. and see the gauge. Okay. Go drive it. When a problem starts happening, notice where the fuel pressure's at. Right. If the fuel pressure's dropping off, then you yeah you got a fuel problem somewhere. Right. And it's, if it's it not be a real good high quality fuel pressure gauge, because just two or three pounds is going to make a big difference in the way the vehicle runs. Okay. Right. All right, I, I know how to do that. Yeah, that's the only way to diagnose that, but that's almost undoubtedly going to be a fuel pressure-related problem. Okay, well, I, I was kind of uh, suspecting that it might have been something to do with my cruise control cutting it. Well, no, because the only thing the cruise does is opens the throttle body. You can still sit there and rev it up. You can override one. it. Yeah, you can yeah. override it. If you can't override it with the gas pedal, it's, it's the engine's losing power. Okay, well, right. I, I got I got 190,000 miles on this thing, so it's... Well, if that's the original due, fuel pump, it's due way, for a second way, pump already. Way on by our time. That's usually around for the second pump. Okay. Well, All right. Thanks very much for the information. You're and welcome. I'll follow up on that. All right, Miss Mitchell. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got David on the line. Good morning, David. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. I hope my battery lasts while I ask this question. <laughs> Look, I have an 89. I was listening earlier, and you were talking about the ABS yes, module controlling the tack also. It works off the same sensor as a speedometer. Okay, well, my speedometer on this 89 Chevy pickup goes and comes, and the the brake light blinks seven short and one long. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not sure on 89 what that would be, but it's flashing some kind of a code. That's a code 8 for the ABS unit. I might have to look it up in service data, but it's that code is read different than the newer stuff is. The long flashes, I mean, the short flashes and the single long flash all count as one. What the long flash does is breaks the code up where you can read it. So you count the long code and the short codes, and it's a code 8. And then after the long flash, it starts the short flashes over again, which is just like Lewis said, a separator so you can read the code. Right. Just have to look up a code 8 and see what it is. That's old Kelsey Hayes system. He didn't store a whole lot of codes. Basically, it's got a little module, and it's got a, a little dump valve, and that's all it's got because it doesn't have a sensor. The sensor on that one it actually works on an algorithm off the vehicle right. speed sensor. It monitors the brake light switch too. Right, checks brake light switch, and it just Cruise. when you hit when it sees brake light switch, it knows how fast you can stop without locking up. And if it decelerates faster than that, it goes to ABS mode. Right, but right. It's, so it's what an inferred would I need system. to change on that thing? Well, uh, you have to diagnose have to the problem. You have to put a computer on it and diagnose it. Well, right? you got to get somebody you knows what they're doing to do it. <laughs> Ain't no computer that's going to do that. <laughs> that's something I hear all the time. Put the computer on there. Is no computer that can fix a car. It's a trained, skilled individual who knows what he's doing. With the right equipment. With with several different pieces of equipment, yes. Right. Sir. So what makes the brake, I mean, uh, the speedometer, it's an electronic speedometer. What makes it go and come? Well, it could be a number of things. It could be the speed sensor for the speedometer, which is in the tail house on the transmission, or it could be the control head on the speedometer itself going out. It's got a little servo motor that drives it. Right. Again, you just have to get it in and see what's wrong with that particular one. All right, because I don't want to start changing a bunch of stuff. And mm-hmm. Well, then you need to bring somebody exactly. knows what they're doing. <laughs> like y'all, huh? Well, that's true. <laughs> that's one. That's a good start right there, huh? That'd be a good choice, yes, sir. Uh, okay, well, I was wondering if it was all in the same circuit or anything. And it could possibly be because it. It, it does look at that speed sensor. It just right. the speed sensor doesn't drive it. It only looks at it when it goes to ABS mode, so I kind of doubt it, but, you know, it's, it's probably two separate problems. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, all right. David, thank you, man. Have a great day. Uh-huh. You too. All right, you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Jeff on the line. Good morning, Jeff. 
Hey, good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I got a transmission that's crazy. Okay. I got a 95 Jeep Grand Cherokee okay. automatic. Yes. That's whatever it feels like doing. Okay. You stop at a red light, it'll go in neutral. And sometimes if you stop at a red light, it'll do like it locks up and want to keep moving forward till the engine, till you have a foot on a brake and the engine dies. Hmm. It's not slipping. Yeah. You know, so none of that. Yeah. See, on a 95, it's not going to set a whole lot of data because it's pre-OBD2. Just have to get it. Does it do it all the time, Jeff? Every time it does it? Or just every once in a while? Pretty much. I can kind of circumvent it if I stop at the red light and put it in neutral, then I can take off. Yes, sir. That is a computer-controlled transmission. It could very well be one of the sensors. It's got what they call a manual lever position sensor. And if that's not right, it doesn't really know what gear it's in or what you're trying to command. Another thing it's got is what they call a throttle. What am I looking for? TPS? Yeah, throttle position (laughs) sensor, which tells it how much gas you're giving it. And those are the two main inputs to that particular transmission. If either one of those signals is missing or erratic, it's going to get confused, and it'll start doing crazy stuff like that. The way we would diagnose that, Jeff, is first we'd put a pressure gauge on it and read the pressure and see if the commanded pressure is rising and falling as it should. If it is not being commanded to rise and fall, then we know we're on outside transmission with some kind of a control circuit, so we go after that. Now, if the pressure is rising and falling as it should and it's still not shifting, then we're inside the transmission, so that's a whole different issue. Okay. But that would be how you go about diagnosing that problem. All right. So necessarily I have to bring it in for that. Yes, sir. It would have to come in. You'd have to do a pressure test first off before anything else is done just to see if you're inside transmission or outside, and that is going to eliminate at least half the possibilities right there. Then with a few more simple tests, you should be able to narrow right in on it. As long as it'll do it all the time, it shouldn't be that difficult to find. Old school used to be modulator would be causing. Yeah, except that one don't have one. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's, that's it, yeah. Yeah, everything's electronically controlled on that one. Well, I I thank you, sir. All right, Jeff. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Fred online. Good morning, Fred. Hey, good morning, sir. Yes, sir. A question, got a 95 GMC pickup. Uh Uh-huh. And when I put on the left turn, right turn signal, or go into reverse, or go through through the reverse light, the alternator voltage meter Uh dips down pretty low it'll with the blinker it, it bounces up and down with the, right with the blinker right. mm-hmm. and when i notice when i shift through through from uh you know park to drive How about when you turn your headlights on fred does it do it then doesn't do it with any significance with the headlights any more than any other vehicle okay headlights brake lights none of that affects a- it. ac and all that kind of stuff it seems directly tied to when i either do the turn signals or the reverse lights do you do you have a trailer hitch on the vehicle you do have a trailer hitch i tell you the very first thing i would try is disconnect the trailer hitch and see if it still does it because it sounds like a ground you got a transient ground somewhere and it's backing up and it's probably going through the alternator circuit some kind of way okay that's just a real common area of problem so go in and disconnect the wires to your trailer hitch first if you has those little scotch locks on it just open those up take it completely off and see if your problem goes away okay if it does look at that area if it doesn't it's probably going to be somewhere in the wiring for that but it's picking up a ground or losing a ground somewhere, and it's backing up through that circuit. Okay, and the other question on that one is that if it's if it's not that, I've also had to, of course, replace rear panels. Yes, sir, those little taillight boards. Taillight boards, yes, right, mm-hmm. right, a few times, being as old as it is. Right, well, that's very common on those. But see, if that was the case, then the brake lights and all would be doing it also. Okay. Because the same exact bulb and the same circuit up to the switch Okay. on that. All right, well, Alrighty. thank you very much. Okay, Fred, thank you, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take one more quick little break. Carl, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. 
Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Louis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Louis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan with Mr. Brian Terry. And just in case you don't get a chance to call in or we don't get a chance to answer your call or something occurs to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to get there is remember Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. get you there. And there's three databases you can search on the mm-hmm. site. And there's also a contact bar. Right. Should you happen not to find what you're looking for or just want to talk to Lewis with right. through email you can send him an email 24 hours a day seven days right. a week and be glad to get you an answer back get you an answer. I appreciate those because it gives me things to put into the vehicle questions that someone else may be interested in 505 vehicle questions in there as of wow this <laughs> so I've been doing some work yeah <laughs> I've been pretty busy but 505 questions in there that have already been answered so if you don't find the answer there just send me an email be glad to answer it for you also be sure you read the vehicle topics detail topics all kinds of information, and generally a new one gets added at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, depending on how much time I got. Right. Just added one on wheel balance, shimmy, and vibration. That's real good. Kind of goes in depth. Tells you why you shouldn't have two wheel weights on either side of your wheel, and you should have one on either side of the wheel. Okay. Kind of goes in a little bit of dynamic balance and static balance and sort of that. So Something you can good know, to know. Yeah, know a whole lot more about wheel balance and all. Again, good article in there on brake hoses and how important those are. Diesel and gasoline trucks and what the difference is and how to make a selection. So pop on there and see what you think. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's agcoauto.com. And I think you'll like it. And we're going back to our phone lines. We've got Carl online. Good morning, Carl. Good morning. Yes, sir. I just purchased an older model motorhome. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has, it's a 1980 model, and it has a 440 engine in it. Oh, okay. And I'm trying to get it ready for, so I can get it inspected. Mm-hmm. And what my question is, because, you know, I'm fixing how to do some uh, exhaust system work sure. to it. But what I'm wanting to find out is, are, is that old of an engine? Is, is it going to be hard to pass these uh, these higher standards? In the well, battery? you don't have to. All you have to pass is the standards that were applicable when the vehicle was built. So okay. you would only have to apply it to the 80 model standard. So that, that's kind of one advantage to an older vehicle. Only 96 up have to meet the OBD2 standards. Because I, uh, I was kind of worried when they Yeah, started. on that one, I doubt it. It may not even have a catalytic converter on it. If it's got one, it's a pretty rudimentary model. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Carl. All right. Thanks for calling, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we're going to try to catch as many calls as we can. We've got Stan online. Good morning, Stan. Hey, good morning. Great yes, show. Thanks, Thank sir. you. I got a 06 Dodge with the Cummins diesel. Okay. And when I pull up to a stoplight or a red light or uh-huh. something, the RPM still want to rare up, and okay. I've got to put it in neutral. 
Uh, well, if you put it in neutral, what does it do? It slows down? Yeah, it slows down. And when I drop it back in gear, it wants to go. i got to hold the brake on, and it, but it's real low. Hmm. And then it takes off. Yeah, I'm not real sure on that one, Stan. It sounds like the computer is probably getting a bad signal from somewhere. Uh-huh. It sets idle based on several inputs. It looks at vehicle temperature. It looks at the airflow. It looks at the air temperature. It looks at a lot of different things. And then the computer actually commands the idle where it wants it. Mm-hmm. And when you kick it in neutral, it's going to change all that because it knows it's not in gear, so it's going to go to a different type of reading. So I would say something in that circuit is not operating just right. Okay. It's possible the computer may even have a flash update available for that problem. Now, one thing, too, Stan, if the computer itself proves to be bad, which it could be, that's under an eight-year, 80,000-mile warranty. Wow. So you need to get that checked. I would not advise you to bring it back to a dealership. I'd get it checked by a good quality independent and have them advise you. That way you can go back with your guns loaded and say, hey, I know it's the computer. Change it. Because they're going to find 15 other things wrong if you go in. Right. Yeah. That's something y'all do, though? Yes, sir. All right. Well, great. All right. See y'all soon. Okay, Stan. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Jack on the line. Good morning, Jack. Hey, good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I've got an old Ford GMC truck. Uh-huh. I have an indicator light that comes on right now. In fact, I'm driving down. It stays on. Okay. The service airbag. Yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Yes, sir. That checks quite a few things. It's checking, of course, the entire airbag system. One of the problems that we've seen on those is what they call the DERM or the Diagnostic Energy Reserve Module. The DERM can actually lose its charge, and when it goes through and checks it, it'll show that that's not working properly. So it's going to kick that light on to let you know that there's a problem in the system. It even checks a seatbelt, so even a bad seatbelt buckle can cause that light to come on. Now, the simple thing about it is you bring it in to someone who has the proper tooling. They can plug into the body control module, and they can read the code, and that code is going to give you the area that's causing the problem. For instance, the code may say left front seat belt circuit. So then you just have to go in and verify whether it's the belt or the wire or whatever. But it's just going to be a matter of going in and diagnosing. There's something in the airbag system that is causing that fault. One other problem, if I'm not mistaken, on those, we had a lot of trouble with the passenger side airbag getting the little connection gets bad on it, and you can plug and unplug it a couple times. Sometimes the light will go out. Now, one thing to remember, that system is not going to work as long as that light is on. Right. So if you get in a wreck, the airbags are not going to deploy. You're not going to deploy if that light's on. If the light is on. Oh, yeah, I'm aware of that. Okay. I'm scared to be driving right now, but right. until I can get into a shop, I have to. Yes, I understand. Yes, sir. Just get someone who has a computer can go into the body control module, and we could diagnose that pretty quick. Okay, thank you. All right, Jack. All right. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye. And we've got Wayne online. Good morning, Wayne. Hey. Good yes, morning. Good morning. I was in Austin, Texas last week. down an incline in a parking lot and applied the brakes, and it had a loud noise. And then... For the next three or four miles, there's a loud scraping noise, and I could feel something grabbing. But I pulled off to the side of the road and started driving again, and uh-huh. it ceased and haven't had any or trouble. That was the parking brake you were using, Wayne? Or no, it was just the regular just, brakes? Just applying the regular brakes. That's sort of a peculiar symptom, yeah. Wayne. It could possibly be that something got into the brakes, a piece of pea gravel, a piece of stick, or whatever, and it just ground it up and chewed it up and spit it out. I would probably, if you're pretty handy, I would probably pull the four wheels and just examine all four brakes, make sure something isn't wrong. If not, I'd probably take it to somebody. I mean, the charge would be pretty minimal. 
to pull the wheels off and inspect the brakes because you just don't want to have something that's going to chew up a rotor or something and cost you a whole lot more money down the road. Possibly it could be like a bolt and one of the calipers came out and the caliper flopped around and it just the, the rotation of the wheel pulled it back into position and it may occur again. So I would probably either inspect those brakes pretty carefully or have them inspected. And you're looking for anything that moves like a loose bolt or anything. Anything that's or shiny. Shiny or a grind right. mark or anything. Now, if you see a little groove in the rotor and nothing else, it's probably a piece of pea gravel or something got into it. That Between does the happen. pad. Yeah, and it'll chew it up and spit it out. It just makes a lot of noise and racket for a while. Okay. All righty. All right, thank you. Okay, man, thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right, let's see. I, we're going to try to catch one more call, see if we can. We got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, good morning. Sir. Hey, I got a quick question for you. I've got a 2004 Honda Accord. Okay. And I have intermittently an, the airbag light comes on. Yes, sir. And then it just goes off. Yes, sir. You know. I'm going to tell you what's real common on those, Jim. The seat belt buckles go out on them. That's the most common thing that we change on the Hondas. But now the good news is if that's what it is, I can check it and tell you. I'm going to send you back to the dealer because that's under a lifetime warranty. Okay. And they'd fix that for you for free. But if you want to bring it to me, I'll be glad to check it and tell you if that is what it is. There is also a little computer that runs it that can go out. But the most common thing we see is the belt buckles. And like I said, seat belts on a Honda are under a lifetime warranty. Why would the airbag light come on if it's just because a buckle? Because it's, it's all part of the same restraint system. That's what it's warning. It's looking so it's, for, it's basically saying that you don't have one on? or It's, it's not in the buckle. There's, the buckle sensor is bad. It's going to not think that it's connected. I see. Okay. All Thanks for your help. Okay, All right. man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, we got to get on out of here. We appreciate everybody listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. If you didn't get your question answered, go ahead and hit me on email. It's uh, www.agco. Echo Auto. There you go. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.